Welcome to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. John is the bishop of the Interdenominational Order of Missioners of the Holy Spirit, and he's the founder of Hope on the Way Ministries. Now, join Father John and discover hope and relevant answers in following Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. All right, the Lord be with you. Today's message is entitled, The Sparkle Creed or the Apostolic Faith. In Matthew 16, starting in verse 18, Jesus says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Mark Twain once said, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And when a truth is inconvenient to people's narratives, sometimes they can find really creative ways of coming up with a good story to get around the truth. And I think in like manner, many unfortunately have abandoned the truth of the apostolic faith that was taught by Christ and the apostles, and they replaced their own good story in place of the apostolic faith. In verse 18, Matthew tells us, and agreed upon also by Mark and Luke in Jesus' words, that the apostolic church and the apostolic faith was founded and established by Jesus Christ. It was maybe six months ago that I was in a conversation with a group of people and one lady who was very faithful to the church she went to and she was actually witnessing to a guy, she was a born-again believer who claimed Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, she was actually witnessing to someone in this group and and all of a sudden she said, well, all churches are just man-made. And it was a little bit shocking to me, but not surprising, I guess is that Jesus established and founded the church. In fact, Christ, after He established the church, ordained apostles, Peter, and the others as the foundational leaders of the church. Paul confirms this truth, this apostolic truth, in Ephesians 2.20. He says this about the apostolic church, that It's built on the foundation of apostles. That's why it's called the Apostolic Church. It's built on the foundation of apostles with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Matthew's Gospel, in the 16th chapter, he tells us that the apostles received the complete deposit of faith from Christ and the Holy Spirit. And this is John 16. So, the apostolic church possessed the whole deposit of apostolic faith. 
Let's go ahead and read it. John 16.13, Jesus says to His apostles, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will only speak what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. Now, one mistake that's made by people who read Scripture today and kind of have this hermeneutic that it's me, my Bible, and the Holy Spirit, that's all I need. They read this verse and they think that Jesus is talking to them. And the promise is not to me, it's not to you. The promise was to the apostles that they would be led into all truth. Not just part of the truth, but the apostolic church that was founded by Christ and the apostles, that church received all truth. That's what the Scripture says. Now the apostles having the whole truth ordained their successors. Stay with me. I know this is a little bit exegetical, but the apostles having received the whole truth from Christ and the Holy Spirit ordained their successors and they transmitted the apostolic faith to their successors. For example, Timothy was appointed Bishop of Ephesus. Titus, who's also referred to in sacred scripture, which has an epistle named after him, Titus was appointed Bishop of of Crete. Timothy and Bishop received all the truth of the apostolic faith. Now, in turn, Timothy and Titus appointed and ordained their successors. And they did this because they transmitted to their successors the complete deposit of the apostolic faith that was promised in John 16.13. Peter and the apostles had all of the truth. Their successors, characterized by Timothy and Titus, they had all of the truth. And they transmitted that truth to their successors. Now, hang with me a little longer. To preserve the apostolic faith, and to continue the apostolic church for the next 300 years. 70, 80, 90 AD, on to the next 300 years, the successors of the apostles, who are called bishops, by the way, or the Greek word is episkopos, to oversee or overseers, the bishops continued to ordain their successors and to transmit the apostolic deposit of faith so that they in turn could safeguard the apostolic church that was founded by Christ and the apostles and the apostolic faith. To safeguard the apostolic faith, here's what the successors, the successors of the apostles did. They first of all collected, copied, and codified the written apostolic teaching. And what do we call written apostolic teaching today? The New Testament. Okay? They took all those letters from Paul and from the apostles and their associates, Mark and Luke, and they collected, 
codified, recognized them as inspired and authoritative, having primacy for apostolic teaching, and they copied them and transmitted them to successive generations in the church. Now these same bishops, to safeguard and protect the apostolic faith, wrote simple faith statements also to distinguish themselves from false teachers and fake churches. So number one, they collected sacred scripture, copied it, and transmitted it. That was the apostolic teaching. But they also wrote simple statements of faith, like the Apostles' Creed is the earliest creed of the, of the Western church. It began in Rome, and it was written so people could easily see the difference between the true church, the apostolic church, and people who were false teachers and people who were claiming that they represented the church and they were just fake churches. Now the third thing these successors to the apostles did is they continued ordaining their successors. Paul ordained Timothy, Titus, Titus and Timothy ordained their successors and their successors ordained their successors all to safeguard and to oversee the apostolic faith and the apostolic church. And finally, number four, these same bishops, the successors of the apostles, they wrote letters reflecting on apostolic practice and teaching. Now, these letters are often called the writings of the church fathers. And many of their letters have been copied and transmitted. Now, the early period of the church fathers were the immediate successors of the apostles, the second and third generation. Now, that early period lasted from 70 to 190 A.D. The earliest letters we have are a letter called the Didache, which is a Greek word for teaching, and the other earliest letter we have is First Clement. He was an overseer, a bishop of Rome. In fact, he followed up on the Corinthians and wrote two epistles to the Corinthians. The Corinthian church was still having problems even after Paul tried to straighten them out. Now in the writings of these early church fathers, they quote many of the New Testament books. In fact, someone has said that you can recover most of the New Testament from the writings of the early church fathers. Not only did they quote the New Testament in their letters, but they also gave oral teaching and instruction. Let me just give you an example. Bishop Ignatius of Antioch, he was the third senior pastor, if you want to think that way, of Antioch. He writes a letter and he talks a lot about propriety and order in Christian worship. Now, to defend the faith, this is very important. I know this is a little bit uh, scholarly here for some of you maybe, but bear with me and we'll have some application. To defend the faith from false teachers and false fake churches claiming to be the true church of Christ, to defend the faith and the apostolic church, the early fathers did not did not appeal to New Testament writings alone. They appealed to New Testament writings, but they didn't appeal to those writings alone. 
And the reason they didn't appeal to the New Testament writings alone was because the false teachers and the fake churches were also using what? The letters of the New Testament. They were also using them. Like a guy named Marcion in the early hundreds, he was using the Gospel of Luke. So, these successors to the apostles, the bishops who safeguarded the apostolic church and the apostolic faith, that's why they collected and codified the New Testament writings, but they also wrote those statements of faith. They also continued to practice the succession of bishops. They also wrote letters that transmitted oral apostolic teaching about matters like the Eucharist on faith and practice. Now today, we're almost to application. Today, false teachers and fake churches still use the New Testament. They still do. And they all have one thing in common. Fake teachers and false churches all claim to be biblical. They all claim to be biblical. These fake churches, these false teachers are clever, they're cunning, and they're convincing. When I was in seminary, I had some young ladies, very nice young ladies, come to my door and ask if they could come in and share the gospel with me. I knew who they were. They were Jehovah Witnesses. And they began to share their Jehovah Witness teachings with me. And they, they said, I'd like to give you a book. And the book was called, You Can Live Forever in Paradise on Earth. I thumbed through the book, and the book was written in big font. It was a very brief book. It was hardbound, and it had illustrations like you'd find in an illustrated children's Bible book. And I completely blew it off. But maybe a couple of weeks later, I said, you know, I should just look at this book and see what they teach. Again, I was in seminary. And as I read through the book, it was the most cunning, clever, and convincing heresy I had ever read. In fact, it shocked me. If the average person who claimed to be a Christian and had Typically, those folks have very little biblical knowledge. If they would have read that book, they would have been totally duped by this clever, cunning, and convincing heresy. Now, this kind of thing continues to happen up until today. For example, there was a recent video that went viral on Instagram, on YouTube, and TikTok of a evangelical Lutheran church in America pastor reading something she called the Sparkle Creed. And she led her Lutheran church in this creed. And I want to read it for you. It's called the Sparkle Creed. And she led her congregation. And it says, I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light 
and refacts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints is numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the AIDS quilt whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes are gazed at by the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. That is the Sparkle Creed. A little bit different from the Apostles' Creed, which I referred to earlier. And in response to this false teaching, there were other viral videos. There were several videos that went viral with young influencers who had pictures of themselves watching the Lutheran pastor read the creed to her congregation, and the influencers made funny faces and grimaces and mocked the Lutheran pastor. Now shortly after that, there was another viral video of a young influencer confronting another evangelical Lutheran church in America pastor. And this pastor was at a LGBTQ rally. And this young influencer, being filmed by someone who was following him, and was going to put this pastor on the spot. And he came up to her and said, Why are you here if you're a Christian pastor? Don't you believe the Bible? And then he quoted... 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10, through 10, which talks about that people who do certain things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And she, she looks at him and says, of course we believe the Bible. But I'm not going to discuss it here with you. You can come to my church and I'll be glad to, to have a, a discussion about it with you. And again... What these influencers don't understand, and what many of you do not understand, is that these pastors and others like them are well-educated theological seminary graduates, and they are from historic Christian churches, and they all use the Bible, and they all claim to be biblical. And you can make funny little videos about them and mock them and try to put them on the spot, But what you need to understand is that these folks are theologically formidable and persuasive, just as the Gnostics of the early church were. And that's why the church fathers valiantly defended and safeguarded the apostolic church and the apostolic faith. These people are so theologically formidable and persuasive, they do not deserve you to mock them. In your funny little videos, there's the evangelical, biblical book that was written by Dr. Rob Gagnon, he's an evangelical, biblical scholar, called The Bible and Homosexual Practice. It's 500 pages long, including footnotes in Greek, and it's super scholarly. 500 pages to refute their LGBTQ progressive theology. These people are not the chumps that many who go on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok would make them out to be. In fact, we have seen 
People who claim a born-again faith with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior fall into the tentacles of these apostates that were once part of the historic Christian church. And I call them apostates not pejoratively, but descriptively. Now, let's get to the application here, folks. And this might shock some. Please, please listen and let me ferret this out a little bit. But those of you who claim authority by saying we're biblical, it's not enough. Because the LGBTQ church, the progressive church, the Mormon quote-unquote church, the Jehovah Witness quote-unquote church, and other quote-unquote churches and teachers, they claim to be biblical too. And they have the Bible, just like you. Being biblical is not enough. You must also be apostolic. In fact, if you look at the Sparkle Creed and compare it with a quick survey of the apostolic fathers, the writings of the apostolic fathers, and a quick survey of church history, you will easily, easily, and quickly find that the Sparkle Creed and progressive theology are not apostolic. In fact, it's very easy to find that the apostolic church and the apostolic faith spoke out loudly against homosexuality, loudly against these other issues associated with progressive theology. In fact, those who espouse this progressive theology, they know that's true. They know that they're not following the apostolic faith. That's why I think one denomination has as its slogan, one progressive denomination, as its slogan, God is still speaking. And to me, they're implying that the apostolic church got it wrong. He's just straightening them out now. They know, they know the apostolic faith never embraced any of these things associated with progressive theology. So let me ask you this. Instead of just being biblical, instead of just being biblical, why, why not be apostolic? It was the apostolic church who gave us the New Testament. It wasn't the New Testament that gave us the apostolic church. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Which came first, the apostolic church or the New Testament? The apostolic church gave us the New Testament. They collected, copied, codified. Why not learn about it? How about learning about what the apostolic church believed, what it taught, what it practiced? Instead of just being biblical, how about believing, teaching, and practicing the apostolic faith of Jesus Christ? the apostles, and the earliest successors to the apostles. Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that make sense? Being biblical can mean anything from the Sparkle Creed to only worshiping on Saturdays. Being biblical can mean a lot of other things. So, 
We live in a time that's more like the 2nd century than the 20th century. And to defend the apostolic faith and the apostolic church in the 2nd century, the bishops, the successors of the apostles, the apologists like Justin Martyr and others who were martyrs with him valiantly defended the faith of the apostolic church and apostolic teaching and practice. They weren't merely biblical. And if you're interested in the apostolic faith and the apostolic church, I want to, as the least bishop in the one holy universal apostolic church, and I'd that is not false humility, but as the least bishop in the one holy universal apostolic church of Jesus Christ, I want to welcome you. I want to welcome you to come. And I want to invite you, I want to invite you, if you're interested in learning more, to reach out to me. And I want to also invite those of you who are listening to me via the internet to also check out our our video, it's on YouTube and also here on our podcast providers that you're listening to now, is our teaching on are you apostolic or biblical? Or it could be are you biblical or apostolic? And we elucidate more on this topic. Now, churches are not man-made. There is one church founded by Christ and His apostles. For Jesus said, I say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Amen. You've been listening to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. We invite you to subscribe or follow this podcast on your preferred podcasting platform. To find out more about Hope on the Way Ministries and Father John, check out our website at hopeontheway.info. That's hopeontheway.info. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the companionship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.